We're continuing our series about why should I believe, looking through Romans chapters 1 through 4 to begin with. We're going to continue probably at some point and finish all of Romans before it's all over unless the Lord tarries. But uh, we want to anxious to see all that this has for us. But hope that this series, for those of you that have been a part of it, or if you're just part of it for the first time today, help you to understand why we believe what we believe, help us to be able to make a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself or to be able to share it with others. And even as we talk about today, uh, this particular passage, we are now in Romans chapter 1, excuse me, Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. And uh, this now is the Word of God. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, or forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteous apart from the works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he'd been circumcised? It was not after but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham before he was circumcised. Verse 13, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. To never doubt, to never be anxious, to never be uncertain, or to never fear, is to never need faith. I think we need to know today, we find particularly from the gospel today, and maybe even circumstances around us, that the Bible was written and the gospel is for real people with real needs, who need a real faith. And we're thankful for that. Did you now or did you ever think that perhaps people who are real people of faith, real godly people, they're the ones who never have any problems, or if they do have any problems, they're on such a higher plane that they would never think bad thoughts whatsoever. Did you ever think that at any time? Well, my goodness, where are those people? Throughout human history, God has dealt with flesh and blood, people just like you and me, with all of our faults and all of our blemishes, and He asked us to do this one thing He's asked us to believe and put our faith in Him. Do you remember Matthew, the tax collector, the ex-tax collector, when he was called to be a disciple? The very first thing that he did, some of you know, he threw a big party. I think what it was was Matthew is that he probably had made a pretty good living. He made lots of good money by cheating his own people by being a tax collector for the Romans. And so... He knew that he couldn't keep his ill-gotten gain, so I think he threw an all-out, blow-out party, invited the only people that he knew, low-life sinners, to come to the party. So much so, how do we know this? Because the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they're watching this, and they come to the disciples of Jesus, and they say, how does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Such a big party, such a low life of people. Well, the Bible says Jesus heard, and he must have come out from the party 
out to where the disciples and the religious leaders were. And he comes in and he says to them, I've come not to, I've come not to heal the sick. Excuse me, I've come not to... The healthy do not need a doctor. I'm going to get it right in a minute. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Well, we know and we've learned, particularly from the first three chapters of Romans, that no one is righteous, no, not one. And Jesus certainly wasn't declaring the religious leaders as righteous. He was saying, those people at the party. <laughs> he said, see, those people, those are real people, and I've come to call them to real faith. Now, the opposite of real, of course, is fake. And so we don't want to be fake. We don't want to be phony. We want to be genuine. I think if that conversation had been extended, it would really have blown their mind because we know that Jesus tells us throughout the Gospels that He came not necessarily to say, you need to change before you come to Me. He says, you don't need to change yet. What you need is faith. And what you need is to believe and then allow Jesus to change us. Because those people at the party... Well, unless you feel like you're a Pharisee or religious leader, those people at the party, though, are the ones that were like you and me, sinners who are in need of God's grace. But the Apostle Paul is seeking here to prove a real faith for real people by bringing up two people in the Old Testament, two that were well-respected and well-revered, for he's talking to primarily lots of Jewish people, but particularly the Jewish people, and he brings out Abraham and David that we just read. By the way, aren't you glad we talk about some of these passages? Because I bet first time you read Romans chapter 4 or even reading it here, you're thinking to yourself, well, my goodness, how does this apply to us? Well, aren't you glad we're going to talk about it? Because we're going to find out, particularly today. He talks about Abraham and David, particularly Abraham, who's known as the father of faith. Now, it's important because three major religions claim Abraham as the father of faith. We know that the Jewish religion does. They point back to their heritage. They don't point back to Adam, not even to Noah. They point back to Abraham, the first of the Hebrews, the one who was the father of Isaac and then the father of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Islam claims Abraham as the father of faith, the one who is the father of Ishmael. Muhammad is the great prophet. According to Abraham, they claim as the great father. What other religion claims Abraham as the father of faith? It's Christianity. We claim Abraham as the father of faith. We don't see that he is a deity, but we understand uh, the Israelites, the ones who were uh, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were called to be a light to the nation to prepare for the coming Messiah, opening the door so that we also might be people of faith as well. So uh, all those who believe that Jesus Christ came into the world so that we might not perish but have everlasting life and put our faith in Him. We are spiritual descendants of Abraham. So what's more important, to be a uh, physical descendant of Abraham or a spiritual descendant by faith? Well, Paul is going to spend considerable amount of ink to show that those who place their faith in Jesus are the true spiritual descendants of Abraham. Now, you've got some notes there, and we thought, boy, to if you've lost an hour this morning, or maybe you just showed up. You thought you were coming to Sunday school. You came on to worship. It's okay. But you've got uh, your notes. It's got F-A-I-T-H written on the left side of your paper. And so today, it may be just one of those days that you may think, well, what are some good words that help us to be able to understand faith using these particular letters? Well, I'm going to give you one for each as we make our way through here and uh, hopefully be something that will be helpful to you, particularly in regards to the Scripture. The first... Letter F stands for facts. 
we're going to have faith that's going to be about the facts. A lot of people have a misunderstanding about faith. They see faith as something that you're going to jump off into the unknown. We have no idea what we're believing or what we should do, but we're just going to step out and into the unknown. One of my favorite movies, or some of my favorite movies, are the Indiana Jones movies. Are you still, do we still watch the Indiana Jones movies? And Last Crusade, in fact, I think it was on last night. I happened to see part of it, which reminded me here, but... Uh, Indiana Jones is about uh, standing on a cliff and he's in the search and he's supposed to cross the cliff to the other side and the clue is you must take a leap of faith and there's a dark ravine he sees to the other side and he thinks so he just closes his eyes and jumps and he finds there's a ledge there that's been camouflaged and helps him to get over to the other side. That makes for great dramatic Hollywood movies this particular thing about the unknown. But it's not necessarily what happens and what's taking place and the kind of faith that we need to have in Jesus. Because we know that the dramatic thing that took place took place on the hill called Calvary. It was not a cliff, but it's a place that Jesus gave his life for us. And we know three days later that Jesus' tomb, that it was empty. And Jesus rose from the dead. Those are the facts that we base our faith on. Please know that Jesus does not try to hide or camouflage the way. He's provided the way. And following Jesus is not always easy, but it is fairly simple. It is a fairly simple plan for us to follow His way, for the way of faith through Jesus has been clearly marked. Jesus came and left the throne room of heaven to come onto earth so that we might be able to know the way. And He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If the way seems unclear, well, sometimes the world makes it unclear for us. Sometimes Satan is at work. And in this fallen world, it's easy to lose sight of the things of God. But we have many assurances in the Bible about those who seek Him. One of those is found in Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, where it says, And you will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. Now remembering that many of the ones whom Paul wrote to were Jewish. They were raised to place their faith in religious ritual or the Jewish law. So to think that they could place their faith in Jesus alone, that was a hard sell. It was a difficult matter. Paul wrote to the church that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus and he wants us to teach us how we might be able to live by faith. And so we're talking about that this morning. Now faith is an abstract term. It's not meaning something that's, we can't necessarily touch it or feel it. So in order for us to understand it, Paul talks about someone, someone that they knew or that they knew of. Now, Jesus is our greatest example, of course, but he uses Abraham as an example and to point to Jesus. Now, in every family, there's almost always a patriarch of the family. Sometimes that patriarch is still alive. Sometimes a patriarch has gone to be with the Lord. And when there's major decisions to be made, you think you go to that person or you think, what would he do? Often that patriarch is referred to as what? There are a lot of times they're daddy something. Or maybe they're just daddy, or they're just pop, or they're just pawpaw. Well, so it's not all that uncommon here as we see this particular passage that we have that it talks about daddy or father Abraham, and they call upon father Abraham. If anyone could be saved by their works, it could be Abraham. If anybody could be saved by their works or what they did. After all, he was the first Hebrew. If he can't be saved by works, no one can. As our first word in the acrostic is the word facts, Paul hit them with the facts. Fact one, 
In Genesis chapter 15 it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. In other words, because he believed, to use a New Testament term, he was saved. 600 years before Moses ever received the law of God. So the conclusion here is that Abraham was not saved by keeping the law. Fact number two, Genesis chapter 17 tells us that Abraham was the first to be circumcised. He was circumcised at the age of 99. This was the foremost sign or ritual for a Jewish male. If a Jewish boy or man was not circumcised, he was not considered a Jew. It did not matter who his daddy was. But the account of Abraham being circumcised was in Genesis 17 occurred 13 years after he was declared righteous in Genesis 15. Hope you're following this. Because it says not only was Abraham not saved by keeping the law, he wasn't saved by any religious ritual, not by any religious act. We can conclude that no person is saved apart from grace through faith in the true and only God. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus alone. So, let's ask it this way. What leads the train of our belief? I want to use an illustration of a train being on the track going in the right direction. Some people have maybe the engine or the leading lead car in their train as feelings. I think we may have a yeah, uh, uh, picture for you there. The problem is, is that when feelings lead our way, our feelings come and go. They change from day to day depending on how we feel, whatever our circumstances are. Feelings change. What you may feel is right for you may not be right for me. So feelings do not determine what is right and what is wrong. So... Feelings leading your train would be the wrong thing. This is how I feel. This is what I want to do. If you've said that, well, you probably need to rethink it. Not even faith should lead our train because we've got to have faith in the right thing. We just can't have faith in anything. We've got to have faith in the right thing. So what you feel to be true, even though you think it's true, it may not necessarily make it true or right. It does matter what you believe. Believing something is true does not make it right. So fact, this is the correct train in case you want to draw it or circle one. Fact leads the train to keep it on track. Fact followed by faith and then by feelings. Fact plus faith result in the right kind of feelings. You want to have peace. Peace is more than a feeling. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy. We want to feel some of these, and sometimes we think it's something that we feel. It is a fruit in our life, and sometimes this happens. But the fruit is a result of getting things correct. These are the facts. This is where I place my faith. This is where the feelings come. When we get it opposite, we think, oh, I want to have more. I want to be happier. I want to, I want to have joy, and there's nothing wrong. You want to have joy. I want to feel more loving. There's nothing wrong with feeling more loving. But it's a result it's not what we're pursuing. We're pursuing Jesus. We put our faith in Him, and the result will be that we can experience some of the fruits of the Spirit. I hope that helps a little bit. One day in a Sunday school class, a teacher was teaching, and the teacher asked the question, said, uh, said how were people saved in the Old Testament? Somebody raised their hand, and they said, uh, they're saved by keeping the law. The teacher said, that's right. But there was a visitor there that day, a fellow who knew the Bible a little bit more maybe of that particular than the teacher. He said, said, well, my Bible tells me that no one is righteous, no, not one, no one has, no one has ever kept the law. Someone else said, well, isn't it by, you know, they kept sac- they sent sacrifices. They, 
you know, they killed goats and lambs and had sacrifices in the Bible. Isn't that how they were saved? And the teacher said, yeah, that's right, and he tried to move on. But the visitor in the room that day said, well, my Bible tells me that no goats and no lambs ever brought anyone to salvation. No one was ever saved by bringing goats and lambs or sacrifices. But they pointed their way to Jesus. Now, the teacher clearly realized he needed some help. He said, well, would you help us, please, to understand how people were saved in the Old Testament? The visitor said the same way that they are always been saved, even in the New Testament. They are saved by grace through faith alone. It is only by grace through faith alone. You'll find in Hebrews chapter 11, 21 times the phrase by faith attributed to Old Testament believers. Salvation has always been by grace through faith alone. The laws and the sacrifices of the Old Testament, they pointed to the coming Messiah and they helped people to realize that they had a need for God. Oh, we've got to move on. There's an A in the word faith that we want you to understand and it stands for agreement. It's for agreement. It's one thing to know about the truth of the gospel. It's quite another to agree with it. You understand the difference between knowing it and agreeing with it and saying this is what where I stand. Paul goes directly from the greatest Jewish patriarch to the greatest Jewish king, King David. But to where Paul emphasized Abraham's good works, here he emphasized David's sins. It's as, it is as if he is saying to them, I can prove to you that David was not saved by his works. His sins are well known. He broke at least three of the top ten. He coveted another man's wife. He uh, committed adultery with her and then had her husband murdered. But Paul declared that David was declared righteous. He was saved by faith that led him to repentance and to confession of sin. Now, in the New Testament language, New Testament is written in Greek, and the word for confess means to say the same thing or to agree with. Faith leads us to feel about sin the same way God feels about sin. And in the Old Testament written mostly in Hebrew, the word confess means to give praise or to give thanks. Forgiveness elicits praise and thanksgiving. It's confessing praise. When we understand the agreement of the Old and the New Testament together, we, confer, we affirm and confess God's undeserved kindness on all who believe. David's confession or his agreement with God about his sin, about his need for God, led him to write Psalm 32. In the Psalm 32, we have a portion of it here, verses 7 and 8 of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 7 says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Verse 8 said, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will count his sin. We do not, will not count his sin. We do not want the Lord counting our sin. Genuine faith is turning away from self and turning toward Jesus. This act is called repentance. Apart from that, no one can be saved. It's the difference between knowing something or believing it could be true versus agreeing with it. This is where I stand. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13 and verse 2, He said, Not at all, and you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Faith is knowing the facts and agreement with God that we're sinners in need of repentance. The I in faith has to do with identity or to identify. Faith is identifying yourself with Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, believers were first called Christians in the city of Antioch. 
And they were first called Christians by those who were unbelievers, by those who were lost. In fact, it may have been a way for them to mock believers because they so identified themselves with Christ, they were called little Christians or they were called, uh, they were called Christians. But it's a term today that we have identified ourselves with. But if I'm talking to someone about their salvation and I want to know about their journey with Christ, and I don't usually ask, are you a Christian? Because it means so many things to different people today. At one time in our country, it just meant that you were a citizen of the United States, because, but probably no, not so much today. But sometimes you ask people if they're a Christian, it means they're a good person. It may mean that they have their church or their name on a church membership role. It could mean they're not anything else. You know, they're not, they're not Jewish, they're not Muslim, they're not anything else, so they would say yes that they are a Christian. So it means a lot of things today. It's become a little bit watered down. But I might ask, are you a believer in Jesus? And there's a difference in the way we think about are you a Christian versus are you a believer in Jesus? Or even to ask uh, uh, maybe what do you believe about Jesus may help us along the way. Or sometimes... And depending on the conversation, it could be that the question might be, do you know that you have Jesus in your heart, and do you know that you have a home in heaven? And it reveals, you think, well, that's simple. Most of, you know, those of us who are believers, we certainly believe that. But there are many folks that are on church roles, and many people have been in church maybe lots of their life, and we ask about, do you know that part about that you have Jesus in your heart and that you have a home in heaven? And they say, well, yeah, boy, I sure hope I do. I'm not sure, but surely, you know, maybe. But you can know because of what Christ has done, not because of what you have done. Because it's not based on us, it's based on Christ. His grace, placing our faith in Him. Or, have you ever, have you ever asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins? And have you ever asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord? Or is it something that you need to do? Now notice the way that that's asked. I'm not asking a yes or no question. I'm asking a yes or yes question. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Yes. Or is it something you need to do because if the first part is no, the second is always yes. It is something that you need to do. And sometimes opens doors to be able to say, would you like to be able to do that today? It is uh, one way you can identify yourself with Christ, and there are others. Just as God chose the Jewish nation in the Old Testament, He's chosen you and I to identify with as Christians or as followers of Jesus. And our faith allows us to identify with Father Abraham even as our spiritual forefather of faith. God's promise is that his offspring would be more numerous than the stars of the sky or the sands on the seashore. He has many sons and daughters. We used to sing that as kids. I don't know if that song's still around. But are you one today? If you are, and you've never made it public. In other words, you know you've asked Christ to forgive you and to be your Savior and Lord. It may be today that you want to make it public. Come stand before others. I've accepted Christ. I want other people to know it. We give you opportunity every time we have a song of response at the end of the service. You can do that. But if you don't know Christ, if you've not identified yourself with Him, then it may be today. It may not. It, it is today that you need to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord. Today we give you opportunity to take the eye in faith and identify with Jesus. But there are other ways we identify with Jesus as well as believers in the Lord Jesus. And we'll give the last two uh, letters, the T and the H, kind of together. It's trust and hope. Trust and hope. The psalmist declared, let those who trust in the Lord and let those who hope in the Lord never be put to shame. 
We place our trust in Christ. We look to the past on what Jesus did for us. On Calvary's cross, He took our place and died for our sins and rose again. If you are a child of God, there was a day in the past that you placed your trust in Him. You're still trusting Jesus today because of what happened in the past. But also, if you've identified yourself with Jesus, you look to the future. Hope! You had that blessed hope, not the hope so, I kind of hope it's true, which is how the world defines hope today, but no, the confident hope. I know where my future lies. I know that there's going to be a home in heaven. I know that He's going to walk with me in the future. Well, so I'm kind of saying today, if you can trust in Jesus today, if you can look to the past and the place where you trusted in Christ and the work has already been done, if you can place your hope for the future in His hands, and maybe today, like never before, you can have confidence in what your future will be, then why not have faith for daily living? Why not trust that Jesus cares for you and your family and His love is more than you can think of or imagine? You got questions? You ever get frustrated? You ever get mad about something? Tell God about it. He's big enough to handle whatever you bring Him. And then at the same time, Ask the Lord to help to build your trust in Him. Grow that trust in Him and to build your confident hope so that you may have even more. Understanding faith, faith in what Jesus has done, what He's going to do, what He is doing in your life right now. Is there something that He's asking you to do today in your life that requires faith? Faith is not a step in the unknown. Now, we don't know all every detail of what the future is going to hold. But we're walking to the pathway that He has already walked. From my perspective, it's those who walk without Christ that are walking into the unknown. Well, we've shared a lot of fun facts today about Abraham and David and Jewish nation. But what does that have to do with us? I think it is that the more that we know about saving faith, the more you're able to walk by faith. March 3rd, 2019 will be forever known as the day a violent tornado hit Lee County and we lost 23 of our fellow citizens. Many, many homes were destroyed. Since that day, there have been days of search and rescue, many People have brought supplies and items literally from around the country, so much so that they said we have no room for more items. There have been many monetary donations and many people already clean up in recovery and has begun in rebuilding. But regardless of your politics, probably nothing boosted the spirits of this community like the visit of the President of the United States. I don't know, maybe it symbolized hope. Maybe it... Uh, showed that the nation cares. But as he leaves, citizens of Lee County will get back to reality of grieving and mourning, putting lives back together, though we're thankful for the visit. In a fallen, ravaged world, ravaged by sin, the Son of God made a visit. He lived and He worked and He walked among us. He loved us, paid the ultimate sacrifice. He gave His life and at the same time conquered death. So that even though we die, we might live. And though He ascended to heaven, He sent another, another called the Comforter, the one who is the Holy Spirit, sometimes referred to as the Spirit of Jesus living inside each one of us who believes. For we grieve and we mourn, but not as those who have no hope. We put our lives back together, but we are not alone. This world can be sometimes an ugly place, 
but can also be a beautiful place. Sometimes with hearts who are hurting along with ours, sometimes with helping hands and people who care and great sacrifices as made. But even this is not our home. But there is a place free from tornadoes, destruction or damage, free from hurt, illness or death. And it's free to all by the grace of Almighty God. There's one requirement, faith in the living Lord Jesus. For the letters of faith, maybe not the first time that you've heard this, but also stands for forsaking all, I trust Him. His visit has made all the difference. His visit into your life and heart makes all the difference. For He will never leave you nor forsake you. So I'm telling you this morning, it's okay. It's all right to place all of your trust in every bit of your hope in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Fathers, with great confidence and hope that we lift up prayers to you, knowing that you hear our prayers. We thank you, Father, that you hear the prayer of salvation, that ask Christ to forgive us of our sins and ask Christ to come in to be our Savior and Lord. We're confident because it's not by our works, but it's by all that Christ has done for us on the cross that we can experience true salvation. Home in heaven. Christ Jesus, Holy Spirit living in our hearts. We thank you, Father, for that. We pray, Father, that as we learn more about saving faith, it will help us to know that we can walk by faith today and every day. Thank you, Father, for so many who've reached out in our own church, Father, to help and to touch others, share the God's love. We pray, Father, that may continue every day of our lives. And we pray, Father, that you may build and grow in us more confidence faith that we have in you. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help us to believe more. In Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen. Would you stand please as we have our song of response and